Support for this podcast is provided by WorkMarket, an ADP company. Businesses that are looking to gain visibility, automation and security in managing their extended workforce use an end-to-end platform to efficiently and compliantly identify, onboard, organise, rate and pay their freelancers, independent contractors or contingent workers. Check out workmarket.com to see how you can unlock the power of your extended workforce. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 288 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Finding and persuading people with highly specialised skills to make a move and join your organisation is something that remains a big challenge. So how do you build and engage long-term pipelines of talent? And how is technology changing the way talent engagement works? My guest this week is Marvin Smith, Enterprise Talent Sourcing Lead at Lockheed Martin. Marvin was one of the very first people I saw talk about talent communities and talent engagement and is a genuine expert practitioner in this aspect of talent acquisition. Hi Marvin and welcome to the podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? I'm involved in talent engagement. I focus on talent sourcing and specialize in engaging talent uh, over a period of time. Uh, The team I'm on uh, focuses on finding people that are mapped to the critical skills that uh, Lockheed Martin needs and we try to uh, think about engaging those people over their their career lifetime. So it's it's not just a, a one and done type of conversation. We want to stay connected to these people because uh, we want our organization to be top of mind when they look for another opportunity. I think I first met you probably about ten years ago, maybe even and longer ago than that. And you were one of the first people that I saw talk practically about talent engagement and talent communities and all of that stuff. Before we sort of go into some of the sort of the techniques and things that you are doing now, could you just tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to got to where you are now? Uh, like a lot of things, I think in my life, I, I'm kind of an accidental tourist <laughs> on the, on uh, this journey. Um, I've been in recruiting a long time. Uh, I started my or I I think I started my 49th year in recruiting. Um, a couple of weeks back. So uh, I came out of college and this is all I've ever done. So uh, I started in the third party world, uh, recruiting, had my own firm, had firms with a number of people and then uh, made a transition into, uh, into the corporate world. And, and I think my first realization that something needed to change uh, in the corporate world was just 
there were things that we had in third party recruiting that had to do with building relationships with people. And I noticed that what was missing in the corporate world was that uh, person that was a specialist in in the area you might cover that would call and check in every once in a while and just say, what's the market like? And they weren't talking about the stock market. They were talking about the career marketplace for them. And it, it, we thought of it in those days as kind of a headhunters network or whatever you whatever you would call it. And the corporate world didn't have that. And so when I went to Microsoft in the early 2000s, um, I had an opportunity to experiment with thinking about a network. And, and in this case, it, it was far enough into the social revolution that we thought about it as being a uh, community. And so taking things that I'd learned in the third party world and as, as a recruiter and engagement, um, I began to experiment using the technology of the day that would build relationships with people. So it was about leveraging that technology to better enhance the engagement, if that makes sense. And so that's how my that's how I found on discovered it or got involved with it. It, it was one of those things where I started at Microsoft as a contractor, and and as I was uh, transitioning to a full time role, my boss came to me and said, "You can either be a full cycle recruiter." or you could become a talent sourcer. And he said, there are downsides to being a talent sourcer uh, in that we don't really have a career path for them, but you're going to be able to uh, continue some work that we had begun looking at an early, an early product called Jobster. I don't know whether you remember that or not, but it was kind of a precursor of what was to come. And, uh, we had begun a pilot with that and we were able to engage people differently, taking what I'd learned in the, that headhunter network and applying it to, to what was, uh, what was going on in that community. And so uh, I think the real eye opening piece for me was a recruiter came to me and said, what have you done? He said, I've had this job open for a year and a half and suddenly I have two candidates that are the right fit for this job and they're interviewing with us. What, <laughs> what kind of magic do you have? I hadn't a clue. So I went to, to the folks at Jobster and uh, I said, what's going on? Why would, <laughs> why would this show up? And they, they talked about search engine optimization. And so um, I began thinking, well, what is that? How, do, how does that work? And, and how do they optimize things? And so that began a, a pursuit that led me to uh, jobs to web as a platform and, and uh, other technologies that I used over the years. So that's really what, sorry for the long-winded way of getting to it, but, uh, you know, I think that it's, it's one of those um you know, accidental things that, and curiosity, I guess, that's that's the thing that kind of drives everything I've done. I'm, I'm curious about people. I'm curious about how they react in, in certain kinds of circumstances. And, and that led me to trying to find solutions for that. 
bringing things up to date, what what does talent engagement look like now? First of all, talk us through some of the recruiting challenges that you have and then how you're sort of going about solving those. Absolutely. So uh, the recruiting challenges, I work in uh, the defense industry and the defense industry in the United States is um, very competitive. It it requires, uh, in a lot of instances, the people that we're working with to be have clearances, whether they be top secret or or um, all the different levels of clearances. So we're looking for typically a group of people that are that are you know c- can meet the qualifications for that clearance, and it's very competitive. When I first came to to Lockheed Martin eight years ago. Um, one of my hiring managers uh, told me that um, this is the toughest recruiting you'll ever do. And, and of course, being uh, a little skeptical about that and having a lot of different experiences, I, I sort of in my mind question it. And he said, it, he said it's, it's, it's like this. Within the, the D.C. metro area around Washington, D.C. and Virginia and, and Maryland, there are about... 3,000 people that have uh, the highest level of clearance and are software developers that focus on Java and JavaScript. And he said, of those 2,500 or 3,000 people, there are 6,000 firms chasing them. And he was right. <laughs> it is really, it is really interesting. So, um, and, and, the challenge in the defense industry is it's it, you can't really buy people. You can't offer them just more money to make a change. It it, it gets more into the the motivation of people and the mission and and a lot of different things um, that that create that opportunity to move. So um, it it is a very challenging area. So when you think about talent engagement, then. We're, we're faced with, you know, how do you build a relationship with people that, that virtually, with their clearance, have lifetime employment? If they don't like, like the way we work, they can change badges and, and work for another organization. So we have to kind of drive, you know, uh, a, a way for people to uh, engage with us and, and show them other, other kinds of of uh, ways to satisfy their their career aspirations. So that's kind of the background. So when we think about talent engagement, uh, it, it's really having a conversation and building a relationship with those folks over time. You know, it's you know, uh, there's a lot of different uh, lingo that that we use in recruiting, and the recruiting industry uses to describe those those folks. But if, if you think about it being, there's a pool of talent, you know, in that Washington DC metro area that, that have the right skills that we're looking for. So my challenge and our challenge is how do we, how do we identify those people and engage with them? And so one of the easiest ways to do that is to think about a talent network and people call these communities, but that they're not really a community; they're just a database. They're a way that we can engage iteratively with those people. And if you broke out, you know, the specifics of 
of that Washington DC software industry by by language and and by clearance level, then you can have a potentially what we think of as a pipeline. You can have a segmented group of those folks that you can interact with. So you're you're basically just subdividing the network and and this way you're you can be more personalized, you know about their experiences and so forth. And then if you want to go to the next step was to engage those people and in, and bring them all together in a place. So you could bring a person from competitor A, competitor B, competitor C along with your folks and you're appealing to their common affinity, not who they work for, but their profession. And so a community is really built around a segmented profession of people. And so the conversations are different. It's not about your job with your company. It's about the industry as a whole and how can we make that industry better. Ten years ago or so, Doug Berg, who founded Jobs to Web, and I were were in a conversation and we were doing a little whiteboarding or in this case on a napkin and we were trying to anticipate, okay, where does this go? How do you take these, uh, basically we think of it as inbound recruiting where you're, you're pushing your jobs into all these different channels of social and so forth and hoping to get the right people to respond to it. How do we engage these folks over time because it, they're not always going to be looking for a job. The circumstances uh, will change. And how do we find out when they are looking for a job? And we sort of landed on content as being the key to it, not job content, but non-job content. You know, in other words, how can we be relevant and valuable in the content we get to folks? And so, um, that's still true today. I think if you want to engage people over the long term, it's really about how you can be relevant and valuable to them. And in the this era of social, uh, the social mandate, I guess, is that it's really about them and not about us. So you, you have to, to think in terms of that and bring them things that are going to be useful to them over the long term, not the short term. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Could you give us some, I suppose, some kind of examples of the the thinking around content? Because I still see far too many organizations thinking that content is job adverts or job adverts that are, that are just job adverts in disguise. What kind of content do you use? What works these days? So when, when we think about non-job content, content, we think about uh, what's going to be valuable to the audience. So let me give you a couple of different examples. So one of the communities that we have is called Military Connect, and, and it's for veterans that are transitioning from the military to civilian life. And so if you put yourself in their shoes or their boots, you you can imagine that a, a person if they've retired from the military, have put 20 plus years into a, a whole different world than what the civilian world is going to look like. And so what we offer them is, is an opportunity to learn about the, the marketplace, not specifically about Lockheed Martin, but, but about, you know, you know, what's it like to go through that? And so you start with basically, they're going to have about 90 days once they 
leave the service to find a job. And so it's, it's preparing them for that. And we have a group of people that uh, are military relations managers that have been there before. They're all uh, retired military and they, and I don't mean retired, they're, they're a highly functioning group of people. So it's not like they're out to pasture. They're, they're passionate about this cause and, and this initiative. And so they help people make that transition. And so we give them the tools. Um, we, we created a model around which uh, somebody transitioning will, will go through in the steps. And then we have online forums and chat, and it looks like Facebook online, a, a place that, that people can interact, ask questions. And frankly, some of the best content is the content that our military relations managers write in terms of giving them advice. But we, we bring in content that, that is uh, from the Muse and from JobScan and from different places like that, that, that you know, there are a lot, there's a lot being written today about how to get a job. And so we, we uh, go through and hand curate the, the information we put in there. So it's, in that case, it's really about, you know, how do you find a job in a civilian world? Another group that we have a uh, community around is called Engineering Connect. And we, we designed this for early career engineers. And so, again, we have a university relations team or a university recruiting team that is, was, <laughs> were visiting campuses. Now it's all done virtually, of course. But they would, they would strike up relationships uh, with the placement offices and we would have uh, different uh, people on campus that would, you know, be uh, fans, I guess, of, of Lockheed Martin. And so we would, we would engage those people, but it's, you know, we needed something that would last a little longer than that. So we created Engineering Connect and we, in, we invite the people to, uh, to be part of part of that uh, experience, and so we have recruiters, we have engineering leaders, we have a number of different stakeholders from Lockheed Martin. And again, we're not just promoting Lockheed Martin; we're promoting this is your this is your career. You've worked hard through the university experience. This is what you can expect. And so we have webinars, we have learning sessions, uh, we have online. Event, events, job fairs, that sort of thing, uh, for the people that are that are most active in doing that. And so, again, it's a it's an active segment, uh, short time frame in terms of whether they are looking for an internship or working looking for their first job in industry. Um, and so, that's really the second kind that we have. And then the, the third kind is is more of a passive audience, and that's uh, cybersecurity. And so um, we're working on engaging people over time because one of our biggest products is cyber. And one of, and of course, that's everybody's concern with what goes on in the world. And so we're trying to build long-term engagements with those people. And it takes a little longer to do that because First of all, cyber people don't want to be online. They're skeptical of everything. So um, we found the most success is to talk about a technology, have a, have a webinar about a technology, or have a thought leader that we have present about uh, 
about something new that we're doing or uh, something that will educate them in terms of, uh, you know, going forward. So that that's really the kind of content. So that's in a community, which is a, a smaller initiative. We also use that same content in terms of that talent pipeline. So if I have my segment of, of software engineers, I want to present in content in, in the form of uh, more, sometimes it's the newsletter, which is explaining, uh, you know, what's going on out there, um, you know, recanting something that Stack Overflow or something did in a survey, perhaps polling them for input, showcasing an article that would resonate with them that they may not have seen, um, that sort of thing. So it's not really, it's, it's like Red Bull did with the X Games. Red Bull, to me, has always been brilliant at marketing because they became associated with the X Games through their sponsorship, but they weren't just a sponsor. They became a citizen of that community. And so if we can do that with a, with an affinity, with a segment of a, of a talent population, then we've really done what needs to be done. And how do you use technology to support the, the 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 kind of the recruiting and the and the talent engagement that that you do? What type of technology sits behind everything? Just a quick history lesson. I think that uh, when you and I first met, we were we were all enthralled with building community and engagement, and and you know we were looking at the technology of the day, which could have been jobs to web, it could have been something from SAP. It, you know there were there were some different vendors doing things like that back then. And, and, and I, I loved inbound recruiting. That's for me, inbound recruiting is where we're automating everything. We're, we're measuring clicks. We're, we're pushing uh, these job adverts into all the social channels and bringing people in without ever seeing us. And we can drive them right to applying for a position and, and and going from there and so our recruiters inbox is filled with people <clears throat> well there's a downside to advertising uh what happens if people don't answer the ad and so you know we're we're capturing the active people and there was a couple of things that we needed to do and and one and we discovered this was jobs to web was we really needed a way to iteratively engage people. So everything was built around a funnel, you know, and and it's a transaction. And we used to uh, call it apply and goodbye <laughs> because people would apply and that was the goal. And then we sort of forgot about them. And, and so we needed to augment that process. And, and part of the augmentation was really adding a CRM to that, you know, variety of web crawlers and, and so forth. And so I think the first product on the market that, that did it after jobs to web was probably Smashfly, and, uh, you know, a company, uh, that, uh, grew up around a need and, you know, I think have did a great job of, of, you know, great marketing company. I mean, they really, they really, uh, did a, a nice job in that area and uh, provided a lot of education for us. 
So the the key to me became the CRM. How can we use this for iterative engagement? And so it's it's really about enhancing the inbound with a CRM, but but also focusing on what we think of as outbound recruiting. And and outbound recruiting is is more of instead of using that magnet to, of a job or something to pull something in, it's really taking almost a bullhorn and and reaching out to people on a very selective basis to do that. And so the technology for that is is a CRM to augment the the ATS, which is really a transaction kind of a process. And so um, that is that takes the forms of uh, email campaigns. You can uh, host live events on it. You can uh, you know do a number of different things with that CRM. And then from there, it's it's about uh, employee referrals as well. So it's another way to beef up that outreach, that outbound recruiting is to, in, you know, engage your own employees to tell our story out into the marketplace and, and invite those people because we're going after those hard to find Java developers in the DC Metro marketplace. And boy, that's tough because <laughs> if you think about them, they work in a secure skiff all day. So they don't really have any access to the outside world. So over the last eight years, I've seen a number of different creative approaches to this. People rent billboards uh, going into, into, into the, to the workplace. And, and uh, they, have, um, they stake out the lunch counters where people go to, to dine for lunch. And they put coffee cups that are branded. They put placemats that are branded. They use the radio. They use, I've even heard of food trucks showing up. I've heard of people um, driving up with an ice cream truck, giving it away. And on the, on the stick is, is uh, their brand. I mean, if you think back to, you know, kind of 10 years ago or so, and everything that people were doing in Silicon Valley to capture people, they were doing this in, or have done this in, in this cleared space. It was, it was like a whole new world that I had not experienced in my, in my career to date. And so it was, it was fascinating to watch. Um, so it really comes down to the tech that's going to help you facilitate that relationship. And so uh, for me, the, the cornerstone is more of a CRM than it is going to be the ATS or other things. And then, uh, and we can talk about it a little bit more. There are a lot of interesting tools out there right now that help us better understand the people we're trying to engage with. And we need to do this in a personalized manner. So we need to understand more about their, their individual likes and dislikes. It's, it's, it's deeper than, than, you know, thinking about marketing personas or recruiting personas, um, which are important to, to understand your target audience. But I think it's it, it comes down to the individual. And so that's really where 
I see technology moving forward in talent engagement. Fantastic stuff. And, and, and I think that really ties into my final question, which is about the future, you know, how you see things, how, how you see things in a, in a year or, or two years time. And are we moving towards this, um, this, this kind of much more sort of automated, personalized era of recruiting outreach? We are and we aren't. You know, I think we're living in cognitive dissonance right now. And we're somewhere, you know, we're, we're fighting to go back to the way things were at the same time we realize that things may never be the same again. And, and whatever we call it, a new normal or, or whatever, is gonna it's gonna go forward um and you know it's nobody really knows and and we're living in the the roller coaster of um the united states right now anyway i am and and it's it's hard to predict what i can predict is that the the technology that I'm seeing that's intriguing are is the technology that that hap, hap, helps us understand the person. So, <clears throat> the the what I'm encouraged about are, are uh, companies like Crystal Nose and Humantic that are taking uh, taking the disc survey and saying, okay, this kind of person based on their LinkedIn profile. Um, is better communicated using short sentences and, and, you know, we'll give you kind of a a profile of that individual and how they might respond and and those kind of things. You know, if you think back before this, we used NLP and I'm not talking about natural language processing, but neuro-linguistic programming to better connect with people over the phone. We use it to better connect with people in an interview. You know, we mirror kind of the, their actions so we can better communicate, not to manipulate, but just to, to be able to get into their own representational system. And I think that's, that's what we're doing now is getting into their brain a little bit more and, and understanding that. Uh, I see companies like human predictions that are just, you know, they're, they're working on the signals that people give off before they decide that they're going to make a move. So they're, they have a, an individual, you know, they have individual profiles on people and they connect the social profiles or social uh, information from a variety of sources, aggregate it together and give you uh, their best guess on, on when somebody's going to move. So that helps on the timing aspects. And, and it's all really exciting. The, the downside of all of that isn't so much uh, protecting the consumer as it is. It seems like everything is built on a LinkedIn profile, the LinkedIn public profile. And so most cases, that's really limited information. And if you're building something with limited information, you know, how do you really know that you're connecting with, you know, the right disc, you know, uh, profile or whether you're seeing the right signals. I think one of the challenges is, is in the limitation of all of these tools, whether it be seek out or zap info or all these wonderful tools that help us understand more and, and to better target the people that we're looking for. They're all built on, and around uh, one 
thing, and that's a LinkedIn profile. And, and Gartner reported a few years ago that more and more technical people were saying less and less about their particular skills. So, um, you know, we, we were left with some challenges. So for me, you know, I, I think we're going to see this continual evolution of tools that are going to help us better understand our our target audience and better understand how we can relate to them. Going to have to make some improvements on that. Uh, there's probably need more more information. Um, you know, it's 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 like all the tools that are saying they have AI. You know, they're they're kind of limited now because they're again based on a, a lot of LinkedIn profiles. So. Um, I think the thing to remember about AI is is these tools will make us better, and I'm excited about that. Um, they'll eliminate some of the the lesser important parts of our jobs, and that's going to be there. But but machines can't substitute for people, and and they can't solve for things that we don't understand. So. You know, until we understand more about that individual process and individual, you know, what the individual themselves are going to be looking for and and do it in a way that that uh, brings value and relevance to them at the same time protects their privacy. That's where it's going to go. So um, I, I just see a, a continual evolution of where we're headed. I see less. Uh, I think there'll be a new generation of ATS out there. Um, and, and some of them are, are there right now. Uh, I think the, the biggest challenge of, of those of us that are in the enterprise, and, and I've, I've been at Microsoft, I was at the Gates Foundation, and, and then here at Lockheed, um, you know, we, we, we need a common tool, right? We need a common platform that will speak to each other. That you know, every new idea comes out, and and you know it costs you know six or seven figures to to use that tool and to integrate it, and it takes time. And and when you think about if you want to change tools at the enterprise level, it takes a couple of years to change an ATS or a CRM or something like that. There's so much planning goes in because none of the tools will work together. So. That could be the biggest home run um, that people have is how do we do that? Marvin, thank you very much for talking to me. You're welcome. It was great to get reconnected. My thanks to Marvin Smith. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search through all the past episodes at www.recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the podcast. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.